Welcome into the 49er Access Podcast. My name is Sterling Bennett, and today we are going to preview the San Francisco 49ers week number seven opponent, the Minnesota Vikings, as San Francisco heads out to Minnesota on Monday night football. Uh, this weekend is National Tight Ends Day. For whatever reason, they're not putting George Kittle and TJ Hawkinson uh, on the field on National Tight Ends Day. Not sure who decided that, who who planned that out, but it was a mistake. But uh, with all that being said, week number seven, Niners against the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings are coming off a victory against the Chicago Bears this past weekend. They are two and four on the year. San Francisco five and one, and you can tell by my face right here, just like San Francisco, right? Uh, we both ran into a brick wall and actually hurt ourselves. <laughs> so um, both teams looking to bounce back, or San Francisco looking to bounce back after a loss against the Browns last week. Now five and one on the year, uh, getting their first loss of the season. Uh, Vikings trying to kind of climb themselves out of an early hole they had winless for about three weeks this season. They've beaten only bad teams. We'll dive into that a little more in a second here, but San Francisco has to bounce back. Unfortunately for them, uh, this game on both sides is going to potentially be without stars. Uh, we know from Minnesota, Justin Jefferson, star receiver, probably the best receiver in football, not going to play. Uh, also, their star pass rusher, Marcus Davenport, not going to play as well. So two big studs. For the Vikings, uh, not going to play on Monday night in Minnesota. For San Francisco, no one's been ruled out yet. Um, today, that being Thursday night, was San Francisco's first practice of the week. Uh, many of their stars do not practice during the week, but um, we'll certainly see on Friday what happens because at this very moment, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams, Dre Greenlaw are all questionable, and even Aaron Banks didn't practice today. So uh, there certainly are some concerns as to, well, yes, Minnesota might not have their two best players on the, on the field. Uh, San Francisco might have literally five, four, you know, five stars uh, not on the field on Monday night. Um, I believe Debo Samuel's going to play. You can kind of get a sense of how he was talking on the Up and Adams show with K. Adams that he's going to make a massive push to play on Monday night. Um, he already said he felt better uh, but Tuesday afternoon uh, compared to Sunday during the game. Uh, Trent Williams, who finished the game against the Browns, I would assume he'll also play, but if not, uh, we've talked about it the entire preseason. You have to have depth, and right now San Francisco sitting on Jalen Moore and Matt Pryor being their depth at tackle. Um, that's horrifying. <laughs> but even then, Christian McCaffrey, who his importance can cannot be understated or even overstated. Uh, he's just been the perfect player for San Francisco. Still leads the league in rushing this year. Um, and we saw when he's not working right or well, this offense looks entirely different. Whether it's the play calling, how Brock Purdy plays, or how the ball is facilitated to Kittle, Ayuk, and others in the offense, um, they need these guys healthy. Now, there's been a lot of conversation that sit these guys out, no need to get these guys hurt. I wouldn't be against that had you not lost to the Browns. Um, when you lose, sometimes it shocks you. And even Nick Bosa said in uh, his press conference during the week that we kind of forgot how to lose or like what what it's like to lose keep in mind uh this team won i believe what 11 straight games last year 
I believe they went what, four and four, then one of the next eight or like seven. It was crazy how they ended. Uh, their last loss was the NFC Championship game, which your season's over. There is no prep or recovery or how to respond. It is season's done. Uh, exit interviews and go on vacation. This was really their first loss in almost an entire year, which is crazy to think about. But Nick Bosa said, like, we like we were dreading going back into film room and meetings because we kind of forgot how to uh, mentally prepare ourselves after a loss because we, it hadn't happened in uh, almost a calendar year. So um, for San Francisco, this is a game where you have to bounce back. You want your stars out there to help it, you know, to improve your chances of bouncing back. And I do think uh, Minnesota this year is an opponent that you can bounce back against. Um, again, they're two and four, not a great team, missing two of their best players, Jefferson and Marcus Davenport. Um, and you're also getting lucky here because you're getting primetime Kirk Cousins, right? We know Kirk Cousins this year, uh, not having the worst year, not having the best year, but we know who Kirk Cousins is, right? Uh, he is the epitome of average, right? But in primetime games, he is 12 and 20 all time. Uh, a losing record, and it's not as if Shanahan doesn't know how to scheme against a former quarterback of his. So while Jefferson's not going to play and Davenport's not going to play, and it helps San Francisco not having to face those two players, um, you're still getting primetime Kirk Cousins no matter what. Um, and when you're 12-20 and 20 all the time, you have a feisty, angry, upset any team you know, kind of driven to bounce back in San Francisco, you have them facing a primetime Kirk Cousins who, let's be honest here, uh, despite his 14 to four touchdown to interception ratio, uh, San Francisco leads the league in, uh, in interceptions with 10. So they have 10 picks this year, leads football, and they have three players that have two or more, Hufunga, Lenore, and Fred Warner that is also tied for the lead in the NFL. So, this Niners team is going to be on the prowl, on the hunt, uh, and is going to want to kind of make a statement after losing to the Browns. And look, that Browns loss is kind of, it's draining. You, you go out there and half your team gets hurt, and you're, you're on the cusp of just eking a, a win out, and then you miss a field goal. And the entire conversation turns into Brock Purdy is an elite and uh, Jake Moody stinks. And, you know, the, it felt like every or all the goodwill you built up for five weeks is now gone after one game. It's not the case, although you'd rather not lose to P.J. Walker and and others of the like. But San Francisco has themselves a good opponent to kind of find themselves again. And for the Vikings offense, we know Kirk Cousins again. He's fine. He is steady Eddie, as I call him. Um, he's not going to have the chain out on the airplane dancing and jumping around. He's not that Kirk Cousins, um, or at least not or hasn't been that this year. Um, he's been fine. His his yards per attempt are 7.1 and his QBR is 56.8. Both those rank 12th. Um, he is equally effective against man and zone. He, again, is the epitome of the average, typical what you want in a quarterback that can keep your your, your team afloat can help you win eight, nine plus games a year. You'll be in the playoff picture this year. They're two and four, not really in the playoff picture right now, but uh, this team has played in every single game. It has been a one score game. So they're going to stay in plenty of games. They play the Chiefs, the Eagles, um, the Panthers, the Bears, the Chargers. They have been either at the goal line for a handful of these games. It's really come down to one possession. 
and they've really been an unlucky team this year, so don't sleep on Minnesota, but I do think for San Francisco in this game, it really is a good chance to kind of refine themselves. Um, if they have lost confidence, not sure they would, but if Nick Bosa is talking about, you know, we forgot how to lose or forgot what it's like to lose, um, this is a way to kind of get back to your winning ways and, you know, really rekindle the magic you had through five weeks this year. Um, it's National's Tight Ends weekend on Sunday's the day itself. Not sure why George Kittle and uh, TJ Hawkinson aren't playing on that day. I get you want to have those two guys in prime time, but you would think the creator of the the title, the day itself, the holiday, if you will, you would think you'd want that person to be playing on said day, but um, Goodell will do Goodell things. The NFL will march on on Monday night where it's Niners against the Vikings in prime time. Uh, but look, San Francisco, I, I truly believe if they aren't, they should be angry at how they played against the Browns, the offense especially, but even the defense, right? The defense played really good for four quarters, had, what, two drives that hurt them. Um, they had to clean up penalties. It killed them last game against the Browns, giving away free yardage. And even the pass rush, which did its job for the most part of the game, uh, I do think, thankfully, you have kind of a sitting duck in Kirk Cousins, who, yes, is going to throw it you know, 60 yards downfield, going to take some deep shots. Now, again, it helps not having Jefferson to catch those balls on the field. But Cousins is going to test you. He's going to uh, keep your defense honest. Again, he'll keep them in the game. Uh, not Doesn't seem likely to give the ball away. Again, 14-4 to TD to INT ratio. So Cousins is going to kind of be, again, steady Eddie for them. But... For the Niners' defensive line, um, I think this might be, I don't want to say their biggest test of the year because that's not true. Uh, the Cowboys are certainly the biggest test, and they showed them who's the boss. Uh, the Browns were formib formidable excuse me, um, against them last week, even this week with against the Vikings. Um, they're going to play arguably the best tackle combination in the NFL, Derisaw and O'Neal. Both those guys are have great hands, good footwork, uh, and they are, again, two of the most pros pros when it comes to tackle play in the league. Uh, and their center as well. Like this is this is a team where the edges in the middle of the field or the O line are certainly not impenetrable, but it's going to be hard to find pressure there. Um, those three combined have a 64.4% uh, pass block win rate. That ranks sixth in football. And when it comes to running the ball, they have a 71.4, which is 12th. And so when it really comes down to it, it's going to be guard play. Uh, and that is going to be a lot of Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead and Javon Kinlaw and, uh, you know, stunts and whatever. So it's really, to me, it's going to be imperative that, you know, we saw, it felt like San Francisco was on their heels a little bit against the Browns. They felt like they just didn't have control of that game despite being up 7-0. Things just weren't going their way. Um, and it felt like there was uncontrollable things happening. You know, the refs were a big play, not saying that's why they lost, but they were a big factor in that game. This feels like a game where San Francisco can control the ball, control uh, the pace of the game a lot more to help them win this game. Uh, again, you're going to have a hard time getting pressure 
at, against Darisson O'Neal uh, and against the Vikings center. But Kirk Cousins has been sacked 15 times this year. That's tied for 16th. Um, and he's been pressured almost 28% of the time. That ranks 13th. So, um, Again, they're not impenetrable, but they are around league average when it comes to getting sacks and being pressured. So but he, he, here's the thing, is that Kirk Cousins is going to throw the football 35 times a game. Uh, and so he is going to drop back 30, 40 times. He's going to be, if the Vikings have a chance, which they certainly do, um, he is going to be the reason they win this game. But going back to his primetime record, uh, doesn't fend... Uh, or doesn't, you know, doesn't lean in his favor uh, on Monday against this defense, who I'm sure wants to bounce back. And even then, um, Kirk Cousins' favorite target is easily outside of Jefferson, but even with Jefferson on the field, it, it's still TJ Hawkinson. Um, Hawkinson, who, to my delight, is on my fantasy team, <laughs> but um, this year they have connected on 766 of their targets that ranks sixth among tight ends um he he is his go-to player even if it's, even if it's for two five yards right it's going to be feed hawkinson for you know eight times a game target him 12 times a game uh, he is their now number one targeting or targeted player with jefferson out due to injury the good thing about this is even if dre greenlaw doesn't play which we certainly missed him last week against the browns even if he doesn't play, Fred Warner's still playing out of his mind, and San Francisco this year is, if not the best, one of the best at locking down tight ends and limiting uh, their their ability to change the game. This year, San Francisco has allowed a QBR of 33.3. That's third in the NFL uh, when targeting tight ends. Then they've allowed 3.82 yards in attempt against tight ends. That ranks first. So uh, when it comes to targets have it or cousins having his safety blanket in Hawkinson it's just not going to be there or what it seems like it's not going to be there for him in this game and look when he already doesn't have Jefferson and you take away Hawkinson that's going to make players like Jordan Addison who is fine uh, he's a rookie he's been fine he's four touchdowns this year He's doing his thing, but he's not a great player right now. Uh, he feels like more of an Emmanuel Sanders kind of player. Um, he'll be good in a year or two, but he's not a number one receiver just yet. Um, and not going to be for a couple years with Jefferson in the building. Uh, but also, they have KG Osborne, who, again, is a fine receiver. Um, he's... <laughs> he leads the Vikings in creating separation with an average of 3.14 yards per pass. The issue is that ranks 74th in football. So when you don't have Jefferson, it's hard to feed guys like Addison and Osborne. And when San Francisco has the ability to take away Hawkinson, your second best weapon and your most targeted player this year, um, it's going to be hard for, I think, even a Vikings reporter or podcaster, even a Vikings player to admit that, yeah, we have a chance on Sunday against this defense that has 10 picks this year, uh, and even last week in their quote-unquote worst game, give up 19 points in a really shoddy, wet, ugly game in Cleveland. So uh, the Vikings, while yes, are 2-4, and four, I think they've played better than their record indicates. They are certainly a team that could surprise us again, Every game they've played and lost has been a one-score game. They could have easily beat the, the Eagles, the Chargers, 
uh, and the Chiefs, so I, I don't want to count them out. Those are top-tier teams in football, with the Chiefs and Eagles both being 5-1. and one. So um, I don't want to say Minnesota has no chance. The difference is uh, they had Jefferson in both those games, and he played a big part in getting them close to winning those games. And then they played the Brown or the, the Bears last week, and it wasn't pretty. They won, but it wasn't pretty against a really, really, really bad Bears team. So I don't have a lot of confidence in the Vikings offense, um, but there have been some bad luck uh, that has gone against them this year. So when it comes to losing football games by one score, but also they've given the ball away 13 times this year. Um, that's the most in football, but only four of those are interceptions. They fumbled nine of their 13 turnovers. Um, I don't know if you've seen Little Giants, but my goodness, put your hands in the stickum and make them stick together because the Vikings do not hold on to the football. And I don't care if it's Jefferson, Madison, Hawkinson, Osborne, Addison, Cousins, you have to hold on to the football. And if you're going to play San Francisco, who has a knack of getting the ball back, um, it's going to be a tough outing for you if you're going to give the ball back to San Francisco a handful of times a game. And again, when you've turned the ball over 13 times and you've only played, what, six games this year, that's two plus a game. Uh, you cannot win a football game that way. Um, so, again, they are, they've lost by one score. They've lost to Kansas City, to Philadelphia, the Chargers, Tampa Bay all by a one-score game, but their wins have also only been by one score, Chicago and Carolina, and I can argue they've beaten two really bad teams, the Bears only having one win, Carolina, I believe, having no wins this, this year, I could be wrong there, uh, I haven't checked the, the rankings of my power rankings just yet, um, but again, the Vikings are very much a middle-of-the-road team that don't scare me offensively when facing San Francisco's defense. Um, San Francisco has the recipe to stop their number one target in this game. You're playing against Kyle Shanahan, who we have now heard that is hands-on with the defense. Uh, Devon Hargrave said that he tells us what to do, basically, um, and kind of helps us scheme against the opposing offense because he's so freaking smart. If there's anybody who's going to be able to scheme against a Kirk Cousins-led offense, it's probably Kyle Shanahan, especially knowing that Kevin O'Connell, who runs a Shanahan-esque uh, scheme, was a Sean McVay disciple, which, if if Kyle Shanahan is Sean McVay's daddy, does that make Kyle Shanahan Kevin O'Connell's grandpa? Granddaddy? Pappy, Poppy, whatever you want to call him, uh, the odds are ever in San Francisco's favor when it comes to scheming up against the Vikings offense. But going even further into it, the Vikings do have, with or without Jefferson, a really good passing game. Kevin O'Connell is one of the better pass game coordinators in football. The difference is you have a really unbalanced offense because Alexander Madison... Um, he just is not, uh, it's, they let Dalvin Cook go and whatever, that's fine. You want to save some money there to probably extend Jefferson, but Alexander Madison just hasn't been a factor for them. He's not been an explosive player. He can certainly run through arm tackles and whatnot, but, and for, and for San Francisco to keep that in mind, they missed 10 tackles last week. So you can't take them lightly. 
but it's almost as if the Vikings are a very one-dimensional offense. And if you can get Cousins throwing the ball 30 times a game, 40 times a game, it's just going to mean your offensive line is going to get banged up, beaten, and bruised, even if they are a good unit, which they are. They're a fine unit. The difference is they're now going from playing the Panthers, the Chiefs, um, the, the Buccaneers, and, and the Panthers, and, 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 and the Bears, to now playing Nick Bosa, Javon Hargrave, Armstead, Kinlaw, Jackson, and a fully ready-to-go Randy Gregory in his, really his second live action with the team uh, and his first, you know, he's now going to have two full weeks to play in the defense, so it should see an improved snap count from him. Uh, so it's not as if the Vikings, despite their strengths of passing, are just going to be able to not be under, you know, not have pressure against them all day long. If I am Steve Wilkes, I'm blitzing the you know what out of Kirk Cousins. This team likes to take deep shots. I know the seven yards per attempt is 7.1. Uh, you watch a Vikings game, Cousins is never afraid to uncork the ball. And if it's me, you're going to see me blitzing Isaiah Oliver. You're going to see me blitzing Hufunga. You're going to see me blitzing Gibson or whatever. Get tricky with it. Um, you don't have to be dumb. <laughs> don't be dumb. But I do think this is a chance because Cousins is a rather sitting duck. He's not very mobile. He's fine. He's He can escape one guy or two, but... I want to see corner blitzes. Be aggressive here. You have a Vikings team that doesn't have their best offensive weapon. You have a linebacker in Fred Warner. And if Dre Greenlaw plays, it certainly amps this up. That can take away Hawkinson, their second best weapon, and their best on, on Monday night against San Francisco's defense. So why not get aggressive here? Make Cousins have to make a play in prime time, which he has shown in most cases he cannot do. Uh, and so... Again, you put pressure on Kirk Cousins, uh, you're going to have a chance to win this game. But uh, I already mentioned Alexander Madison. I don't love him as a player. I don't think he's a top 10, top 15, even top 20 running back in football. But San Francisco ranks 16th against the run this year. It's not great. Um, now, yes, they've played well against people like James Conner and Tony Pollard, who when they were going to play them, uh, I believe what week four and five, they held at that time a top five leading rusher uh, under 100 yards twice with Connor and Pollard uh, was like 50 yards uh, between them both. Uh, so it's not like San Francisco hasn't stepped up when they've needed to most, but we've also seen teams like the Browns last week put up 160 yards against this rushing defense. That is supposed to be a very stout, strong unit with Bosa and Hargrave and Kinlaw and Armstead. Those guys just didn't do their job. And while, yes, the Vikings have struggled to establish the run, in fact, they run the ball the lowest in football. Only 113 attempts this year. Um, and that's lower than some teams that have played only five games. <laughs> it's not as if the Vikings want to run the football. The thing is, is that... If they are going to run the football, you have to tackle. You have to be able to wrap them up. San Francisco missed 10 tackles last week. The Vikings running backs, despite only 113 carries, are averaging two yards after contact, which is fourth in football. These guys are going to be able to fight through arm tackles, and if you're going to play this, this sissy level of tackling, of arm tackling, and it's not securing the rusher, they're going to be able to keep drives alive for Minnesota, which, again, 
takes pressure off Kirk Cousins, and you're going to find yourself in a game where it could be a one score uh, in the fourth quarter, and we're sitting here saying, you know, are, there, are is this going to be a loss number two? Is this two losses in a row on the road? That can't happen. And so while, yes, my confidence is there for San Francisco, my, my belief in Minnesota is not there when it comes to their offense, uh, San Francisco has to do a job here. You can't come in expecting that we lost last week, going to bounce back guaranteed and say, well, on paper, we have the edge. All those things are true. You you do have the edge on paper. Um, when you list stars off, you are listing the Vikings who are a young defense trying to retool themselves, an offense that doesn't have their best weapon, uh, a rather poor running game, and let's be honest here, a team that's kind of found themselves in between trying to contend and trying to figure, you know, trying to retool their entire roster. Um, while San Francisco has one of the best rosters in football. So on paper, you certainly have the edge. The difference is, is that the Vikings are, you know, starting to pick things back up again, despite not having Jefferson. The offense is playing better. The defense is playing a lot better in recent weeks. And you cannot take this team lightly on prime time because they want to show the world that, hey, if we're three and four, we are in the thick of the NFC playoff picture. The Vikings feel very much like the LA Rams, where they have a really good quarterback. And, and, I, and I like Kirk Cousins. He isn't, you know, Kirk Cousins is not Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford can win you a football game. Uh, I, I would rather have Stafford over Cousins by a long shot, but I do think they're very similar teams. The Rams have a young defense. They have one defensive star, Aaron Donald, um, and they're relying on him to carry the load. Whereas Minnesota, while has more veteran players, has a very young secondary. Um, it has one star, Harrison Smith, back there, who's a veteran player, been there forever, uh, was one of the best safeties the past, I don't know, 10 years. Um, he's been a strong, steady, and sturdy piece for them. And then they have the defensive line, which Daniel Hunter's doing his thing this year. So um, and then the offense for the Vikings feels very Rams-like. They're, they want to pass the ball. Um, it's gonna, they're going to have a hard time running it. I know Kyron Williams for the Rams had a big game, but he's hurt now. But this is going to be a very pass-heavy scheme for Minnesota. And if you're San Francisco, um, you know it's coming. The question is, can you defend it? I would like to think if you know an opponent's going to pass the ball 35 times a game, and you have players like Hufunga and Gibson and Ward and Lenore and even Isaiah Oliver, who's had a up-and-down season that personnel should win, you know, most of the time. So again, favor is certainly in San Francisco's uh, way or it's going that direction. But when it comes to trying to, I don't want to say expose, but trying to poke holes in the Vikings defense, I'll just say this. Um, San Francisco has played teams that like to blitz the Giants, the Cowboys a little bit, even the, the Browns to a certain extent. Uh, but the Vikings love to blitz. I mean, Brian Flores, and I don't say this lightly, he is a bad mother effer. I mean, he wants to, you know, he's an old school, get in your face, you make you eat the dirt kind of coach who's you know going to make you and break you like a drill sergeant. Um, he has really changed this defense for the better in Minnesota. And Brian Flores, if you don't know, uh, was the head coach for the Dolphins 
couple years back and spent what last year in Pittsburgh after being fired by Miami, which there was kind of no scandal there. But moving forward, um, Brian Flores is a tough SOB uh, and he likes to blitz. He likes to make a quarterback feel pain, give him pressure. Uh, right now, the Vikings, due to Brian Flores, blitz 56.5% of the time. Uh, that leads football. <laughs> so uh, this is the number one blitzing team in the NFL, and it's not just, you know, a linebacker here or there, or it's not just, you know, uh, you know, you know, one nickel cornerback here or there. Brian Flores loves to blitz defensive backs. In fact, in, in fact, he's blitzing a defensive back almost 30% of the time. So almost one third of the plays, you're going to have a, a nickel cornerback or a safety blitzing on Brock Purdy in this game. Um, their nickelback, Josh Metellus and Harrison Smith, their safety, um, they in fact are blitz the most. So you're going to have nickel and safety blitzes the majority of the time on Monday night. Um, those two have combined for four sacks and three forced fumbles. Um, they like to get after it. They, again, they want to get in your face and they are going to make the quarterback earn every single pass he makes uh, on Monday night with Brock Purdy being a quarterback who is Fared well against the Blitz. This is a different kind of beast in Minnesota. Um, again, he's faced teams that like to Blitz. Minnesota loves to Blitz. Um, Harrison Smith, again, he, a safety has a pass rush win rate of 33%. A safety, a safety leads the Vikings with a 33.3% pass rush win rate a safety not Neil Hunter not Davenport a literal safety that shows you how aggressive Brian Flores is when it comes to blitzing quarterbacks even the linebacker Ivan Pace Jr. has a 29% pass rush uh win rate against uh other teams that ranks first in football for linebackers like every layer you go of the defense they have one of the highest rated pass rush win rates per position when it comes to blitzing and trying to get to the quarterback. Right? They are just that good at blitzing. Now, despite all of the blitzing they want to do, now, I feel like I've said blitzing a lot the past two, two three minutes, but despite all the blitzing they do, the blitzing, there's that word again, doesn't really, I don't want to say work, but it's not as if it's successful a lot of the time. Um, when you blitz 56.5% and you're only getting pressure 29% of the time, that ranks just 18th in football. It's not like they're getting to the quarterback a ton. It's not as if they're having, you know, five sacks a game or, you know, three sacks a game. In fact, they aren't really getting much pressure at all. Another more proof to say that this Vikings team is very just in the middle of the NFL. They're, they're, they're 15th ranked on offense and 16th on defense. They are very much middle of the pack and average team. Um, the difference is, is that when you know, when when you blitz that much, teams know it's coming. And we've seen teams like Dallas, although it wasn't successful against us, we've seen teams like the Cardinals who, how do you limit? How do you, you know, stop a team from having successful blitzes against you? It's a quick passing game. How do you limit any pressure against the quarterback? Screen, dump off, here. And I do wonder if 
if McCaffrey doesn't play, if Debo can't play, how does this affect San Francisco? Uh, do we find ourselves doing, you know, play action bootlegs, getting pretty more space? Um, if Debo and McCaffrey can't play and it's Juwan Jennings and Ronnie Bell and McLeod and, and Mitchell or Mason, there really isn't a pass catching running back that can, you know, replace McCaffrey for checkdowns. And there really isn't another Debo. I, I would assume McLeod would get that role. But I can also see what San Francisco did when they didn't have Debo, uh, uh, or excuse me, didn't have uh, Ayuk against the Rams, which it felt like it was a very slant-heavy game. But again, thank God you have Ayuk and Kittle because those two guys should eat against this defense. But sticking with the Vikings defense right now, we'll get to Kittle and Ayuk later, trust me. Um, the, the Niners should be able to conjure up some scheme especially having Shanahan uh, as your offensive coordinator um, to mitigate, to limit, to practically stop an already rather weak pressure rate of a team in Minnesota's defense and just dump passes, quick offs, end rounds. There's a way you can beat this team and you can also beat their aggressiveness. Like an end around on a blitz is a killer for defense. You put six guys, seven guys in the box and you make them commit to a blitz um, you have an end around, it's going to give you, you know, should be a lot, a lot of chunk yardage on those plays for San Francisco. But even then, it's not as if opponents or other quarterbacks haven't been able to get rid of the ball. <laughs> like, they've had 2.47 seconds to throw. That's the fastest in the league by 0.15 seconds. Like, Again, the Vikings love to blitz. They are not getting to the quarterback, but I, I, again, I do wonder if CMC isn't out there and Debo isn't out there, what does the offense look like? What does Shanahan and his big, gigantic, mega mind brain of his work together to, you know, put put together for the scheme? Uh, I trust him. I have no reason as to, you know, to think that they're not going to figure this thing out because they should be, like, they should beat this team by 10, 14 points. Um, this game should not be a one-score game. But when you don't have your stars and two big ones, if they do not play in CMC and Debo, it certainly limits your offense to, you know, we we essentially saw what it was last week. It wasn't pretty, but now you're giving Shanahan a week to prep without CMC, or potentially without him, uh, without Debo. Uh, you're giving him a week to kind of make a, a game plan centered around Ayuk and Kittle and whoever else is in the offense this week, and I would think you give him a whole week to do so. It's going to be a rather easy offensive outing against at least a blitzing defense with Minnesota. Uh, there is one point I do want to point out, though. That didn't make any sense. There is something I'd like to point out, <laughs> um, is that, while yes, uh, Niner fans this whole week have been saying, you know, Daniil Hunter, Daniil Hunter, Daniil Hunter, which he's a great player. He leads the NFL with eight sacks this year. He's a great player. Um, and it's going to be a massive test again for Colton McKibbitz, who when San Francisco's offensive line didn't play too great against the Browns, knowing McKibbitz has struggled against the Watts and against the Garretts and the Zadarius Smiths, and now you have to play Daniel Hunter, the NFL sack leader, it certainly does make you, I don't want to say cower, but certainly worry that 
it could be a factor in how San Francisco's offense plays and, you know, could change the game on, you know, whether it's a forced fumble or hitting Brock Purdy once or twice. It could, a big play could come from that on the behalf of Hunter uh, facing off against McKivitz. The difference is, is that there's a reason why the Vikings blitz so much. And it is to help Hunter. Uh, Hunter this year, his pass rush win rate is just 12.9%, 13%. That's not great. Uh, So there's a reason why you blitz. You blitz, you free up Hunter, which allows him to get sacks. And so, um, again, Hunter's success and blitzing have gone hand in hand for Minnesota, but on the times they don't blitz, I'm really not too worried about Colton McKivitz facing off against the NFL sack leader. Hunter's a good player. He's not Garrett. He's not Smith. Uh, he's not TJ Watt. He isn't Alex Highsmith. He, he's a good player. He is not a premier edge rusher that, you know, alters a game, you know, day in, day out. He'll have a big play here over there. He has eight sacks this series. He's averaging over a sack a game, right? But even then, I'm not, you know, shivering in my boots of, oh my goodness, it's, it's McKivitz and Hunter. Oh, it's like, okay, like, whatever. Like, the Vikings are going to blitz. How do you pick up stunts? Like, like, is there an inline tight end? And if the quick game is working, especially if CMC and Debo play, Deal Hunter's not really going to have a factor in this game for the Vikings. In fact, their pass rush really isn't going to work at all because it's not very strong in general. <laughs> so um, I'm not too worried about the, the Vikings blitzing. It's going to be there. It's going to happen. You'll see it almost every single play or at least over half the plays, but I'm not really too worried about it, If especially if CMC and Debo do play. But uh, Brock Purdy, uh, coming off the worst game of his career, how is he going to fare? Um, that's been the talk of the town, the, whether it's KMBR, 95-7 the game. Um, I don't like the idea of certain people in the media trying to diminish what 14 games of really good football play and having one bad game doesn't make you a bad player. Um, All it does is it gives you a chance to grow. Um, Brock Purdy himself said, I have to play better. Uh, Sunday against the Browns wasn't acceptable. And I do think him being the player he is, he wants to go out there and, while yes, wants to win first, um, I think he wants to do what he he did against Dallas against Minnesota. There's no reason as to why... San Francisco can put up 42 points against Dallas, can't do the same thing against a weaker defense in the Vikings. Now, yes, matchups matter, but for Brock Purdy, um, it's not like he hasn't seen blitzes before, right? Um, He's been blitzed nearly 37% of his dropbacks. That's third in football. He, He knows what it's like to face a blitz. Um, his average time to throw is 2.5 seconds against the Blitz. That's the 8th fastest. It has a 75.8 QBR. That's the 12th highest. That's not perfect by any means. It's not great by any means, but it's not bad. It's actually good. Uh, Brock Purdy, by all stat-wise, is a top-12 quarterback against the Blitz. <laughs> um, then I can say maybe he's even top-10. Like he, Whatever Minnesota throws at him, it's not like he hasn't seen it before. And when you have Shanahan calling plays for you and scheming up plays, it's going to make you facing the league's highest blitzing team not feel as scary or not, you know, be such a big deal. But, again, 
how is he going to respond? Is he going to be the Brock Purdy that he was against the Browns, which wasn't good at all, where he missed throws? And I get it, in the rain, there are certainly some excuses you can make that could aid Brock Purdy and, you know, kind of prove or show as to why he didn't play well against Cleveland. But um, again, who was he going to be on Monday against the Vikings? Is he going to be you know, Brock Purdy against Cleveland where it's just not pretty, throws a pick, uh, fumbles once, and you're just sitting there saying, God, like, it's just not our day. He's not hitting anything for the most part uh, and really just is struggling. But I do want to point this out that the Vikings play man on 35.8%, basically 36% of their dropbacks. 20 that, That's 26th in football. So not a lot of man coverage um, the Vikings play. They love to play zone, uh, 64.2%. That's 7th in football. And they love to play cover 3. Um, <laughs> again, th- when you play zone and you have a lot of young cornerbacks, a lot of cornerbacks who have struggled a lot this year, and you have players like Kittle and Ayuk, and if Debo plays, and you have McCaffrey, um, Purdy's going to have himself a nice game, because there's going to be plenty of soft zones to eat through. Again, very very Los Angeles-like. This is going to be a very Rams kind of game for San Francisco, where might be close at halftime. You might feel a little pressure. If this game shouldn't be as close as it is, but when it's all said and done, the stat score, the the box score is going to have a lot of favorable numbers in it for Purdy and, and whoever's running back is. If it's CMC, certainly will. But if it's Ayuk and Kittle and Debo, and the score should be around thirty to seventeen, uh, if it is close at all. Again, this should be a very Niners Rams style of game on Monday against the Vikings defense. Uh, but I do wonder when you come off a loss against the Browns like this, or how San Francisco did last week against the Browns, are you going to get Browns Brock Purdy, or are you going to get uh, Dallas Cowboys Brock Purdy, who Dallas Cowboys Brock Purdy was freaking awesome. <laughs> uh, he was borderline perfect. Um, I would like to think we're going to see more of that, and even despite the Vikings only playing man, 36% of the time, uh, when they do play man coverage, uh, Brock Purdy has an 89 QBR, 8.7 yards an attempt, and 14 to 2 uh, touchdown to INT ratio. Um, that's top three in football over the last two years. Now, again, those stats are prior to the Browns game. Uh, I'm un- I'm working under the the mirage or under the interpretation that the Browns game is the outlier. That is the one game where you point to and say. That's not great, but Brock Purdy overall is a much better quarterback, and I think the Cowboys game being his best game thus far in his career, I think is what we should point to, not the Browns game where he struggled. Now, if he struggles in this game, I mean, we're going to have a whole different conversation because he should not, because the Vikings secondary uh, is just not good. Um, They're playing better. I, I, I do want to give them some credit here. They are playing better, but... Their nickelback, Josh Metellus, has a 113.8 pass rating allowed. Their outside cornerback, a Caleb Evans, has a 112.9, basically a 113 pass rating allowed. It's not good. <laughs> it's really, really, really bad. And if, if Purdy and Shanahan and Debo and Ayuk and Kittle cannot find success against those two players, um... That's a problem. 
Like, that's a serious concern as to um, why are you struggling against a bad Viking secondary? And even their best secondary piece, which former Cardinal Byron Murphy, um, he has an 89 pass rating allowed. He has two picks and seven uh, pass defenses, but again, an 89 pass rating allowed. That's still not great. Like, you can pass against this Vikings team. You can, like, I watched the Eagles and the Chargers and even teams like the Buccaneers just cut through this secondary. It's not as if they're awful. They're a bottom-tier defense. I don't care what anybody says. You watch them play. There is nobody, no offense that, like, I watched the Bears' backup quarterback pass against them. Like, well, um, now the Vikings obviously won that game, but it's not like they played Justin Fields for four quarters, who in itself isn't a great quarterback, but they've played Mahomes and they've played Jalen Hurts. Like, this Vikings team is average. Their defense is average, but the pieces they have, the reason that they haven't given up over 30 plus points outside of one time this year is because they have a young secondary who's aided by blitzing uh, safeties and Brian Flores certainly masks those issues. I don't think you can mask those against a Niners offense that no offense to Kansas city uh, is much better when it comes to having weaponry on the field. Now, if Debo and I and McCaffrey don't play, maybe it's a different conversation, but we still have Kittle and Ayuk who are some of the best in football at what they do. Um, so I do think there is going to be the ability to exploit the Vikings' young cornerbacks and even their best cornerbacks veteran player. Um, you can beat these guys through the air, and if Brock Purdy wants to have a bounce-back game in a dome where it's not going to be wet, um, this is the game to do so. Um, there really isn't a position that I point to on the defense of Minnesota and say, that worries me. Uh, in fact, Brandon Ayuk, who had a really bad game against the Browns last week, would drop three passes, I think, uh, two big ones in that game that would have maybe changed the entirety of the outcome for San Francisco, but had a bad game. It wasn't just Brock Purdy. If Ayuk catches a couple balls, uh, we're having a very different conversation. <laughs> uh, this team's probably 6-0, and and we're sitting here saying, and that was Brock Purdy's worst game, but it actually wasn't that bad. Um, but Ayuk has to bounce back. He, at this point, if Debo can't play, is this team's number one receiver. And you can't drop passes. You can't have a bad game like that again because this team needs you to play well. Um, but seeing what he's done the previous five weeks minus the Browns game, I would like to think that when you see those passer ratings allowed from the Vikings secondary... Ayuk's thinking, and he's looking his chops, saying, I'm going to dice and slice and just leave and break these suckers' ankles because he's going to have the chance to do so. Um, I think Ayuk is going to bounce back in a big way, and if they're going to play zone, you're going to leave one of the best separators in football with plenty of space uh, to get open. That's just not what you want to do if you're the Vikings' defense, but if you're San Francisco, um, it's... Hey, Ayuk, here's 10 catches for 120 yards and maybe even a few touchdowns. Like, I'm that positive, that uh, that that confident that he's going to pull this thing off because I don't think he sat back and watched that film against Cleveland and said, I'm okay with that. I, I think he, 
he was probably punching air for hours and hours afterwards, knowing he left so much out there on the field. Um, and I think against Minnesota, NFC team, this is a big game for San Francisco. This is a big game for Ayuk. You want to prove you're worth the money? You want to prove you can be a number one receiver? If you're the number one guy out there without Debo, prove it, right? Uh, now, I love Ayuk, and I think he's great, but this is a big game just for him personally, that if you want to be the guy, go out there and prove when the guy is not there, you can be and replace him and show off to the world on primetime that you are a dog. You are um, the man out there. And there's still bigger questions besides Ayuk and Purdy. Who the heck is going to play running back? I do not have much confidence in Elijah Mitchell this year. Um, he just he's never healthy. I'd much rather watch Jordan Mason, who averaged 5.7 yards of carry, 5.6 yards of carry against a really good Browns defense, get, you know, the majority of the handoffs in this game. Um, I think you have a physical specimen who is big, who likes contact. He wants to get his hands dirty. Give him the ball. Um, let him be your bell cow for a game if McCaffrey can't go. Mitchell's going to get carries. He's probably going to start this game. I don't love that. I like rewarding players when they play well. It just seems like Shanahan has a role for Mason and it's just not starting. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen with McCaffrey playing. But if McCaffrey can't play, why would you not reward Mason? I don't get it. We'll see what happens on Monday. But if I'm the Niners and I'm looking at the Vikings, who, again, they've been a fine running defense. They rank ninth in football with only 3.7 yards of carry allowed. Um, but they also have a success rate of 57.4, which is 19th. Again, you can run the football against this team. And I think who is going to have that success? I think it's Jordan Mason. Now, to give Minnesota credit, they've only allowed one, I repeat, one, 100-yard rusher this year. That was DeAndre Swift for Philadelphia. We had 175 yards, 6.7 yards a pop, and one touchdown. Now, if, if McCaffrey can't go, I'm not expecting that from Mitchell or Mason, or even maybe it's Ty Davis Price for all I know. But I do think that knowing they really haven't played a top-tier running back, well, they, they, they didn't have one against the Buccaneers Rashad White's not a great running back. They had Swift, right? Then it was Isaiah Pacheco, who he's on and off on certain days. And they had, what, Miles Sanders, who's been really bad for Carolina. They've had Khalil Herbert. He even played uh, for the... It may have been Roshan Johnson for the Bears last week. They really haven't played you know one of the elite guys this year. And so I, I really do think Shanahan, knowing he wants to pound the ball on the ground... This is a chance to go out there and kind of reassert your running dominance against a rather weak uh, run defense team. But I do think for San Francisco, uh, this is going to be the Kittle game. Um, Ayuk should have plenty of success, but George Kittle loves prime time. He has 14 touchdown catches in 17 primetime games the past five years. He has 13 of those uh, he has 13 touchdown catches in 40 afternoon games. He has more primetime catches the past five years. So 14 catches, 17 games. Then he has an afternoon 
one o'clock games with only 13. George Kittle loves the bright lights. We saw him score three against the Cowboys earlier this year. And I do think that when you look at what the Vikings have done against better running backs, right? Your Dallas Goddards, your Gerald Everett's, then you have Travis Kelsey. Uh, Dallas Goddard, six catches, 22 yards. Gerald Everett, six catches, 30 yards. Travis Kelsey, 10 catches, 67 yards and one touchdown. Again, they haven't really faced an elite offense outside of Philadelphia uh, and maybe Kansas City who just feeds Kelsey till he can't eat anymore. And he even got hurt in that game, I believe. So it's not like Kelsey couldn't have done more, right? Um, I, I just think you have an offense in San Francisco who has averaged 30 points a game minus one game this year. They want to get back on track. George Kittle is going to say, give me the ball. Um, the Vikings don't have great coverage linebackers. Jordan Hicks is back there. Uh, we know him well. Picked off Jimmy G in 2019 twice against the Cardinals. It's a Jeff Wilson game, right? That's the guy. Um, I just think this is when the Niners need Kittle the most. It wasn't last week against the Browns, which had one catch for one yard. Um, I'm assuming he went to Shanahan and said, Hey, dude, it's National Tight Ends Day on Sunday. We're playing on Monday. How about you feed me a little more than one catch for one yard? Um, I think San Francisco is in for a bounce back against Minnesota's defense. Um, I think on offense and defense, uh, I just really feel like this game is going to be a very, again, Niners and Rams feel to it. Nick Bosa, who did you know <laughs> already ranks fifth on the team leaderboard all time in sacks with 45.5. If he gets one and a half sacks against the Vikings, he's already number four ahead of Daniels. Wow. Ahead of Dana Stubblefield and just behind Ahmed Brooks, Charles Haley, and Bryant Young. Like, <laughs> Nick Bowes is pretty good. <laughs> and again, kind of like George Kittle, who loves the bright lights, loves prime time, Nick Bosa has totaled one plus sack in each of his previous. Uh, Monday Night Football games. He has six sacks in five career um, primetime Monday Night games. Like, the Niners, I get it, against the Browns, wasn't pretty. We hung our heads all week and said, what happened? How'd this happen? Now we're sitting here, still in first place in the NFC, with a chance to beat another NFC opponent in primetime with Kittle and Bosa, who love the bright lights against a zone defense, would you're going to give Brandon Ayuk soft zones to play? Not a good idea. You're going to blitz Brock Purdy, who's been pretty darn good against the blitz this year. And if San Francisco has Debo and, and McCaffrey out there, they are going to have the quick game down to just limit anything this Vikings defense wants to do. Again, I do think the Vikings are going to be able to fight and claw. They're going to keep this game relatively close. Um, but their offense without Jefferson, and again, if they don't really aren't able to throw to TJ Hawkinson, it's going to be an Addison and Madison and Osborne type of game for them. And I'm sorry, that's just not going to be able to beat this Niners team. I do think we're in for a bounce back. Um, we got to get healthy. There are two games left prior to the bye week. 
If CMC can't go and Debo can't go, so be it. San Francisco should still be able to win this game. And look, it's Philadelphia in Miami this week. Uh, Miami is right now probably the best team, if not the number two team in football. Philadelphia just lost to the Jets. Um, there's a good chance, I don't want to say a good chance, there is a chance they lose two games in a row. San Francisco can get some separation here by winning against the Vikings if the Eagles do indeed lose. And even then, Seattle plays the Ravens, so I would lean the Ravens' favor, or at least I'm hoping so. There's a good chance you can, again, start to build your separation in the NFC playoff picture, whether it's in the conference or your division. This is a massive game for San Francisco. There are a, a lot could be on the line when it comes to gaining a game in the division or the conference, and those games matter. We are right now the current one seed. Let's find ourselves some cushion. You had the Bengals in two weeks. Uh, you want to get that game. going to have a shorter period of time. Be back at home in two weeks against the Bengals, but still, um, Monday night against Minnesota, in Minnesota, primetime Kirk Cousins against Brock Purdy. Um, I'm going to lean towards Brock Purdy getting a win here. And in fact, I do think it's going to be 31 to 17. Vikings are going to keep this thing close. Really, the only difference is a garbage time field goal from Sean McVay. These two teams feel so similar. I think if the Rams and Vikings played each other, it would be like a 17 14 game or it'd be a freaking shootout because. These teams are so inconsistent. Um, they do one thing well, pass the ball. That's it. I do think San Francisco, who already beat the Rams this year, owns them so far. Again, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay's daddy, he's going to prove to be Kevin McConnell's granddaddy. He's going to say, call me grandpappy. And so um, he's not going to do that. But, <laughs> but this should be a game where San Francisco can regain control of the offense and the defense find themselves again in prime time and kind of prove to be again if they really have to reprove they are the elite of the NFC and the NFL and you know go back up the the, the really odd power rankings that CBS has where it's like if you're one one week and you lose you're 17 now um but I do think San Francisco gets back on track 31 17 Brock Purdy going to figure this thing out and we're going to get back on track and be six and one and hopefully Seattle and the Philadelphia Eagles lose. But look, if you want to go to this game on Monday in Minnesota, you want to go to the Bengals Niner game next week. Heck, if you want to go to any game this year for any team, Niners, Raiders, Steelers, Ravens, doesn't matter. Use our promo code 49ersaccess49 E-R-S-A-C-C-E-S-S -S at SeatGeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase. You can follow us on social media at 49ers underscore access is the Twitter. 49ers.access is the Instagram. Over 18,000 followers on Instagram. Upwards of 3,000 on Twitter. And I want to ask you one more thing. If you can leave a like, share, and subscribe to the podcast, whether it's on Spotify or or Apple, or even on YouTube, it certainly helps the show. It's a free way, an easy way to improve the show, to have more viewers get out there. And again, it's a free way to help a, a 
a show you like hopefully uh, reach more people hopefully they can like it as well uh, my name is Sterling Bennett saying thank you for watching thank you for listening uh, thank you for like sharing and subscribing and until next time stay faithful <laughs>